crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. Recording. Recording. I am recording. Recording. Man, Hello. Ricola are so good. Oh, they're delicious. Hello. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Crimeany. We're your wonderful, fabulous hosts, Matt and Angela, and we are gonna tell you some fucked up shit. Yes. Is yours fucked up? I mean, aren't they always fucked up? Yeah, sometimes they're a little more fun. Uh, a fun fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> nope, this is not a fun fuck up. Yeah, mine's kind of a weird one. A real bummer, as we mm. like to say. It's just weird. I picked it because oh. it was like, what? Ooh, I'm excited. Do I go first anyway? No, oh, I Oh, you do. go first? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's get <laughs> the real bummer out of the way. Let's get this bummer started. So I got my information from My Crime Library, um, YouTube, from this uh cool the this person put together uh basically a little uh i wouldn't i mean I'd call it a documentary but like she put together together a pretty comprehensive like take on what was happening okay okay um and i will link that stuff of course and i got like a smidgy smoogey from wikipedia just to just to it's a good you know off like point. to see, well yeah and to see cuz sometimes I've noticed that a lot of like in different stories I've researched that like sometimes dates are different or yeah. like ages or yeah. like really strange things and so sometimes I just like to check and I'm like which one was said the most because that's probably the more likely that... I don't know yeah maybe. that's a good way to go but I find that Wikipedia usually Wikipedia usually has like different Wikipedia. <laughs> I'll like be researching and then everything says like the same thing and then Wikipedia will say something different and then I'm like what the hell? Yeah, but because like anyone can really write. Yeah, on I mean they right? cite them so. and stuff, but it's like which source yeah. are you trusting? Right, right. Yeah, so. it's tricky. Okay. So this case is dubbed the Scream Murder. Like as the in, painting. Like, the uh, no, oh, the wow, oh. you're going way back. Oh, <laughs> you special. <laughs> no, like Scream the movie, oh, the okay. fun '90s horror film. That the paint the movie was the painting. The movie was based the, off the painting. The painting. <laughs> <laughs> that face. Ah, uh, oh, oh. That's why it's called oh. Scream. Oh wow, we are <gasps> making all kinds of connections today. Where do you think that so... face came from? <laughs> From the movie. <laughs> okay. I went to art school. So. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. So the scream murder. This is the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard. So Cassie Jo Stoddard was a straight A student who loved the arts and went to Pocatello High School in Pocatello, Pocatello, Pocatello High School in Pocatello, Idaho. I've driven through there so many times. Are you serious? Yes. On the way to Colorado, you drive through Pocatello where you can. Oh, my God. Well, it's really fun to say. Or wait, maybe I've just seen signs for it. I don't think I've ever gone that far uh, north. 
Well, I never, I never even knew it was a name of I anything. I don't know now because you go through Wyoming, huh? I don't know. I can't oh. help you there. All right, I can't help myself. Well, you either so. saw a sign or drove. Through I definitely it. have seen the word. <laughs> I've seen. Signs I mean, it's a very, sure. very small, beautiful little town. Is this the story a... the movie is based off of, or this? Ha- no. This happened after the movie. After. Oh yes. no. So it's like you know, scream the painting, scream the movie, yeah. scream the murder. Oh no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cut the Pocatello thing. Yeah. No, I'm hung up on that now. <laughs> Well, anyway, that's where they, that's where she lived on September 22nd, 2006. 16 year old Cassie Jo Stoddard was house slash pet sitting for her aunt and uncle on Whispering Cliffs Drive in Northeast Bannock County, Idaho. Idaho. Okay. Utaho. Cassie was in charge of watching the house and taking care of her aunt and uncle's three cats and two dogs for the weekend. Seems like a good gig, but I know it's going to turn uh, yeah. bad. <laughs> like, how stoked would you be to be a 16-year-old and have a whole house to yourself for a weekend? Well, being that I had, like, bad anxiety, I probably would have been you terrified the like. whole time. <laughs> yeah. But a normal 16-year-old would be like, yeah, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. And especially because, so she had a boyfriend. So, you know, as any with a house for the weekend she invites her boyfriend over sure although they were both like 16 so that i think that um i think their parents and stuff gave them rides to the house and it was like curfew and you're not spending the night type situation yeah go watch some movies right (laughs) right so her boyfriend of five months oh oh, (laughs) i made a typo and wrote five moths well moths are also a good way to tell time they only come out at night. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess that'll not the darkness won't Many give that away, just ago. the moths. <laughs> yep, yeah, no, that's the only way you can tell. You got to find the moths and then you know it's nighttime. Yep. So her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, came over and they're going to hang out, watch some movies, be teenagers, probably get pizza, who knows. S- around 6 p.m., Matt showed up and a little while later, two classmates slash friends, Brian Draper and Tori Adamchek, were both 16 like they were all in the same class mm-hmm. um the two the, so those two guys ended up coming over to watch movies and hang out who Matt invited had, them uh i think well they were all friends okay. so i think like it was just like oh we have a house for the weekend come hang out whatever watch movies we're gonna hang out friday night and sure. like cool show up I think, like, Matt had known one of them since seventh grade. I can't remember which one. And then the other one had, like, just moved to the school, like, the year before. So they all, like, knew each other. They were all friends. Right. And Brian and Tori apparently were, like, known to love horror films. And they they were interested in making movies. Like, they were always filming stuff. They had they had a video camera, you know, before phones. Like the movie that you made when you were in high school? Let's never speak of that again. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> How dare you bring that up? <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Wait, which one are you talking the about? The Buffy one. Oh, that, <laughs> that was elementary high school. school. That was right. elementary. That's right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. High school was the Dune monster. Anyway. I wouldn't bring that one up because I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, those were great films. 
Well, that's why the Buffy one I wasn't in. I was like, I'll film it because I know this is going to be greatly embarrassing. <laughs> come back to haunt me if I'm in <laughs> <Yes>. this. <laughs> yes. Plus, I was the one with the video camera. So. Like, no, no, I'm the director. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I didn't want. No, I don't, I don't want to claim director or anything. I Nothing just held the camera. Just I, I did a point and shoot. Oh yeah, Katie was pretty in charge of like what was happening. She had written the script and everything. Well, yeah, so she I loved was... Buffy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, blah blah. You know. So they they always carried around a video camera and would film stuff and pranks on other students and just them being stupid and then like them writing a horror film and all that stuff. Okay. And like I said, the four of them went were at the same high school. Anyway, when they got there, Cassie gave them the tour of the house, and then the group settled in front of the TV, and they watched Kill Bill Volume 2. Good. Nice choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After a few hours of hanging out, or I guess it wasn't even, like, that long because they left, like, before Kill Bill 2 ended, um, Tori and Brian were like, uh, we're going to go into town and go, like, to the theater because it's Friday night. We want to go out. And so they watched so, part of a movie and decided to yep. go to the movies. Yep. Okay. They're like, come all the way out here, hang out. <laughs> oh, actually, bye. Yes. Okay. Weird. <laughs> Very weird. So they left, and Cassie and Matt were alone in the house. After about 20 minutes, they started hearing noises coming from the basement, and then the power in the house went out. Oh, so scary. So obviously they're pretty freaked out and the the dogs that were at the house were even like pacing and like growling and they'd go to like the basement, the top oh, of the basement God. stairs and like growl yeah. and then the lights went back on and they were like, okay, I guess it was just some weird freak power outage. I don't know. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The dogs are growling. That's kind of fucking scary because mm-hmm. they know. So um, they're freaking out, and Matt called his mom and was like, hey, uh, Cassie's really scared to stay here alone. Can I spend the night with her? And his mom was like, no, you're not staying in some stranger's house with your 16-year-old girlfriend unsupervised. Yeah, more like pick both of us up and take us both home. So his mom did say, if Cassie feels unsafe, she's welcome to come to their house. Yeah. And, she can, like, sleep on the and couch spend or the whatever. night. Yeah. yeah. And, spe- and um, Cassie, so Matt told his told Cassie that, and she was like, ah, I don't think I can because I know, like, the dogs need to go out early in the morning, and I'm supposed to, I told my, cu- my aunt and uncle that I would watch them, and so I think it's, I'll just stay. Like, it's fine. Uh, yeah. And his mom was like, oh, I'll, I'll drop you off in the morning. And she was like, no. Like, I told them that I would stay with the pets, so I'm going to stay with the pets. So responsible. I know. So a little while – so it was like about 11 o'clock at night, and Matt's mom came and picked him up and uh, to take him home. And he told Cassie that he would call her when he got home. And then once Matt left, the power went out again. Mm. What year is this? 2006. Does she have a cell phone? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, okay. Power goes out. Cut to two days later. <gasps> no, I, I don't want to. Cut to. So Cassie's aunt and uncle and the her 13-year-old cousin returned home on September 24th, two days later, as as they had planned. And when they pulled up, they noticed that the doors to the house were open 
and something didn't feel right. Oh no. So one source says the cu- the 13-year-old cousin um, entered the house first, and then another source says that the uncle entered the house first. Yeah, I feel like they wouldn't send the kid in first. Yeah. Well, so either way, I'm more inclined to think it's the uncle when you're yeah. like, um, this is weird. And so he... Yeah, I'm scared. Go check it out, 13-year-old yeah, kid. I mean... You can run faster, so it's, you go yeah, first. Yeah, you're smaller. You're slipperier. More slipperier. Your knees are better. <laughs> yeah, know, way better jumping. knees. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can yeah. dodge. We'll slather you in Vaseline so you can just slip right out. <laughs> anyway, um, so more likely he walked in and saw Cassie's body laying on the living room floor. Uh, there was a pool of blood under her. Oh, God. So he left the house and called 911, and the dispatcher asked to them to, like, check, like, oh, or, uh, you know, check to see if she's breathing or anything, yeah. like CPR. And they were like, um, she's not alive. Uh. Like, there's no, she's dead. And right as, like, an ambulance was on its way, Cassie's parents showed up to the house because they had been trying to get a hold of Cassie, <gasps> oh like, all weekend. God. Yeah, and as they pulled up, Cassie's aunt and uncle told her parents what they had found. You would think. Okay. Are you going to get into like if the boyfriend called? Yeah, I'm going to get then into I... stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, because you would think like the parents, you know, they obviously know where the aunt and uncle live. If they can't get a hold yeah. of her, you'd think they'd stop in earlier in the weekend. Yeah. Or maybe they, maybe they just like didn't i don't know maybe they didn't call her on saturday and they were checking in on sunday being like what time are you, do you want us to pick you up and she didn't yeah. respond or something because like like you said she's at the aunt and uncle's house like why would you be worried like she's been there a million times before she's they're safe there you know what i mean like yeah. and she's not going anywhere she's a responsible kid she's not like she's just house sitting yeah i guess so but i, I don't know oh. i have no idea what the actual phone call situation was between her and her parents um so Cassie's autopsy showed that she had been stabbed 29 times, <gasps> nine of which were fatal. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So naturally, police go and find her boyfriend, Matt, because he was the last person to see her as far yeah. as they know. In the interview, he told them that Friday evening on the 22nd, like how, sorry, he told them about the, the yeah, the 22nd and how they watched movies and they hung out like usual and that they had started hearing noises from the basement and they were scared and that the power went out and he called his mom and she invited Cassie over, but she declined. And then he said his mom picked him up around 11 and on his way out or maybe in his mom's car, he said that he called Tori Mm-hmm. to see what he was up to, like possibly meet up later or something because they were buddies. And Matt said that it was hard to hear Tori since he was whispering. Ooh. But Matt figured that he was still in the movies, so he couldn't talk. Oh. Yeah. And then he called Cassie when he was home, like he said he would, yeah. but she didn't She didn't answer. So he <sighs> thought maybe she went to bed because when he left her, she was like laying on the couch, kind of yeah. watching TV, dozing off. 
When he hadn't heard from her the next morning, he called to see how she was. uh, And then he got no response back. And he called her 15 more times, but wasn't able to reach her. When asked why he didn't go to check on her, he said he didn't have any way to get there since he didn't have a car. And his mom was at work with her car. Oh, God. And this is before Uber and stuff. And, you know, I guess the house that she was at was pretty far out there. He said that later. Why didn't he call her parents? I don't know. He said that later that evening on the 23rd, um, Tori showed up at his house to pick him up for a planned hangout. And he ended up spending the night at Tori's house. And while he was at the house, Matt asked Tori to drive him to go see Cassie. But Tori said that he was low on gas and didn't have enough to drive out there and back. What a skis. And that, and that the gas had to last him the rest of the week. Ugh. <laughs> what? I just hate this. Yeah, it's fucked up. I never saw the Scream movies. Did you? Yeah. What happened in the first one? Well, it's more like the girl is like in the house by herself and then, you know, the guy calls her and is like, do you like scary movies? And yeah. then he like, you know, scares her and then, you know, knives and... So she gets stabbed too? Yeah. Yeah. The That's the scream dude's weapon is a knife. Okay. Okay. So the next day, on Sunday, the 24th, Cassie's mother, who had been trying to get a hold of Cassie all week, uh, and then, you know, drove up to the aunt and uncle's house and was informed of the murder. Yeah. She called Matt and asked him what he had done to her daughter. Oh, God. And that was the first time Matt had learned anything was wrong with Cassie. Like, he couldn't get a hold of her, but, but, like, was like, well, you know, I'll try and get out to her when I can. And the mom was like, what did you do to my daughter? Well, because as far as she knew, he was the only one hanging out with her. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So, and then Matt also said in this interview that he thought that Brian, both Brian and Tori had crushes on Cassie and would, like, attempt to flirt with her. Um, And then he also reiterated that they were really into horror movies. Uh, so then, so Lieutenant John Gangski of the Idaho State Police brought Tori in for a voluntary interview uh, on that Sunday, the 24th, at his parents' house, and his parents were present, because, you know, they're all minors. Yeah. Tori said that he and Brian were under the impression that there was going to be a party at Cassie's house, or at the house that she was house-sitting, and that's why they showed up. So okay. he was like admitting to being at the house because he's like, of course, like you're going to find my DNA at the house or whatever, because I was there. Yes, we went there. But he said that once they realized there wasn't going to be a party that they left and they went to go see a movie at the theater instead. So, I mean, matches up so far. I mean, kind of, but it's like, I just I mean, I like guess you like go it, to their house. The... No one's there. They're like, let's watch a movie. You like watch part of a movie and then you're like, oh, this is lame. I'm leaving. Yeah, no, it's suspicious as Yeah, fuck. I don't think... I'm just yeah. saying, like, so far his story matches up with what Brian... Or, just sorry, the fact with that what he was Matt there was saying. and they watched the He showed movie. up, watched a movie, he left to go... Allegedly to go watch a movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. 
when the lieutenant asked him which movie he saw and what yeah. it was about. Where's your ticket he, stub? Yeah, he couldn't remember what the movie was about. Even it was like two days supposed, ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he couldn't remember what exactly it was about. How hard is it to open a newspaper, pick out a movie, read the description, and be like, this is the movie I saw. Well, Here's what it I was mean, about. I don't, well, maybe you need to teach classes on uh how lying. to get away with murder oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever I, mean, I would have panicked whatever. on the spot and been like i don't know even if i had seen a movie i'd be like i don't know what it was i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i was thinking about that and sometimes i have like i swear i just have like amnesia where i'll watch a movie and i'll be like super into it when i'm watching it and then as soon as it's over i forget it, i completely forget what it was about and what yeah. it was called yeah Books, too. It's like, I've read so many books, and you ask me what, like, a book is about. I'm like, I have no fucking I idea. I remember when I read it, I enjoyed it, but I have no yeah. idea. I couldn't even name exactly. a character from that book. Like, no way. <laughs> yep. Me, too. Anyway. So, yeah. Tori was like, yeah, uh, I don't remember anything about that movie. It was really good, but, like, I don't remember anything about it. Or what and movie it then, was, even. <laughs> or, you know, what movie it was. And then after the movie ended, the fabulous movie that we can't remember, um, we went, he, he's like, me and Brian went back to my house and then we watched another movie and went to bed. Does he remember what that movie was? I don't know that he, I, uh, How are you watching three movies in one night? That's a lot. They love their movies. (laughs) They make them, they watch them. So the next day, the lieutenant conducted a voluntary interview with Brian, and his mother was present, and he had a similar story to Tori's. He said that they went to Cassie's expecting a party, then they left when they realized there wasn't a party, and they went to the movies. Mm -hmm. He, too, could provide no details about the movie other than the title. He knew the title of the movie they saw. Okay, well, that's something, at least. He did a little bit more homework. Okay, and the title of the movie is Pulse, and I will say... Um, it is, and the one that they saw is an American adaptation of a Japanese horror film of the same name. Okay. And I watched the Japanese one last night, and I will say, if someone asked me what it was about, I don't know that I could say something about ghosts. There's ghosts. There's an afterlife. The ghosts are getting back into the present life. Okay. Uh, something about red tape. Red tape keeps them away. And um, it was very visually stunning. Like, it was really fucking cool. I enjoyed it, but I have no idea what I watched. Yeah, but that's more information than they were giving. At least you could say it was about ghosts. (laughs) I think. They couldn't even say that. I think it was ghosts. (laughs) You said red tape. Like, they couldn't even say, like, there was red tape involved. Like, nothing. Mm -hmm. Was that movie actually playing in theaters? It was. At a correct showtime for what they were saying? Oh, I don't know about that, but it was definitely in theaters at the time. Okay. <laughs> so at least they checked something, maybe. Well, the one did. The other one didn't even yeah. care. <laughs> so after not being able to describe the movie, Brian then told the detectives that they weren't really at the movies. Oh. Uh, they they were lying. And that because was quick. What, See, the other one seems like a real sociopath. This one, he's uh-huh. like cracking under pressure already. Yes. And they you like will ask see him that's... one question and he's like, oh God, we were at the movie. No, we weren't. I lied. The, yeah. And that's true throughout. Like, uh, he, yeah, he said that um, the reason that they said they were at the movies was because they were actually out stealing from cars and okay. they didn't want to get in trouble. So 
which oh, is like so believable. <laughs> I mean, were the reports of I mean, cars like, being broken into? I don't know about or is this that. One of those You're towns asking me to do more they, research. Like, leave their doors open, kind of a thing. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like a real quaint little, little Pocatello. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Podunk Pocatello. We don't know if we've been there or not. Well, I sure haven't. Um, okay, I'm thinking I probably drove through there on my, my way to North Dakota that one time then, at least. I know I've seen signs for it. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's more than I could say. Unless there's like a Pocatello, Nevada or something. Oh, no. Is could it that be? popular? I've never I don't know. They always that. reuse like all the names. Well, we're just showing our ignorance. Hooray. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> God. Stop <laughs> bringing questions up that I don't have the answers to. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> So back to my story. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, we we're stealing from cars. And then he also was like, I'm totally shocked that Cassie died. I can't believe she's dead. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Who knew that 29 stabs would kill her? However many <laughs> there were. Yeah. One source said 29. One source said 32. So somewhere around there. Too many. That's too, way too way many. Too many. Mm-hmm. Zero would be nice. Zero is the perfect amount of stabbing. <laughs> exactly. If I had to choose a yeah, good pick number, zero. <laughs> zero. Mm-hmm. Or even like negative two. I don't know what that means. What's an anti-stab? You have to like heal someone's Ooh, injury or something would be an anti-stab, cool. I guess. Okay. <laughs> With the red tape and the ghosts. Yeah. Well, you got to keep because the ghosts want to inhabit your body. They want to become living again. But then it's like, are you dead too? Is Have you been dead this whole time? Because ghosts can enter your body? They might. I mean, I need to really... Should It was like a a two-hour long movie, so... Damn. It was... Yeah. Should we all wear red tape? No, no. you got to put it around doorways and windows, I think. Okay. Yeah. Red paint does not work, just the tape. No, it's got to be basically like red duct tape, and it either (laughs) keeps ghosts in the room or ghosts out. I can't remember, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's probably important to know that. Okay, yeah, that would be important. Before I go out and buy a bunch of red tape, I would like to know <laughs> the rules. Uh, yeah. It was a pretty cool movie. I really need to watch it again. <laughs> I want to see what the American version is, but they did... Because, uh, like, okay, it usually takes a lot to creep me out in a movie. Yeah, I'm you just, like, so desensitized. Yeah. yeah. And this one was, like... Oh, man. Some of the scenes were just really creepy. It was really, really well done. Ew. Yeah. Oh, it was good. Okay. Anyway, The American version probably isn't that creepy. No. Well, you know, it's a different flavor from what I've heard. Oh, okay. I mean, they just... The American remakes tend to kind of butcher the Japanese and Korean horror films that they remake because they take a lot of like usually in like the Japanese ones, they build up a lot of like suspense and like a lot of like it's slow moving. Yeah. And the American ones tend to cut that all out, make it shorter, make it more action packed. So it's like it's like a different movie. No, you need to be that you need to build it up. So it's like unnerving and like, oh, it was so unnerving. When's when's something going to happen? Like glitchy people and like Ew. glitchy ghosts and like Ew. people moving in weird directions so oh it's so creepy that's so creepy <laughs> it's good for some reason glitching is creepy uh-huh maybe because like 
there are probably human robots out there that we don't even know about. <gasps> Some people are glitching. You're like, oh my god, what if they're like really a robot? Well, I mean, I think that humans are just, um, like, if you see something out of the ordinary, it it makes you feel weird. Yeah. And so, like, a human body like, moving why, in a way that shouldn't be that moving happening? that way. Yeah. It's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> oh, it was great. Check it out. <laughs> I will not. I hate horror movies. Oh, that's good. Uh, anyway, yeah. back to this horror. Yeah. Police also conducted an interview with someone that wanted to stay anonymous. Okay. Um, I'm guessing this was one of like their classmates or something. I was going to say a, a kid. He was probably afraid of these people. Yeah. The person stated that Tori, he's the, well, they said, Tori is obsessed with knives, guns, and horror films. Oh, Tori, Tori and his friend Brian are so obsessed with horror films that they're writing their own script for a horror movie. Tori and Brian's movie script is about a boy, a girl, and a little boy getting killed. The anonymous person said that they had heard Cassie tell Tori that she wanted to be in his movie when they made it, and Tori gave the this anonymous person the script two months prior for them to read. Mm-hmm. Tori said he loved killing movies. He called them killing movies. Um, Creative. Like, like Scream and Friday the 13th. And he said he had a knife collection that he keeps in his closet. And he apparently would brag to this anonymous person about how he knew how to commit the perfect crime because when he watches these quote-unquote killing movies, he takes notes on how not to get caught. an idiot. (laughs) Okay. Does he yes. not? I mean, he loves these movies so much. Does he not realize how inaccurate they are? No, he thinks obviously that they are accurate depictions, and he is taking notes. What? He an might not be the idiot. best student, but he can take notes on things he's interested in. A fucking idiot. At school, <laughs> at school, he liked to run around pretending to stab people and cut their throats. Oh, that's so charming. <laughs> And he even invited this anonymous person to a party at the house Cassie was house sitting on Friday night. Oh, so he was the one throwing a party. I guess, and no one showed up. That's why he left. He's like, fuck. Yeah. No one anonym- wants to come to my stabbing parties. <laughs> yeah, basically, because the anonymous person was like, I'm all set. Just yeah, I'm not going anywhere enjoy. that you're telling me to go. You're creepy as fuck. <laughs> how do these things, like, how do these people not get reported? I mean, I know there's nothing you can, like, arrest them for except for being, like, creepy. But I just feel like there's such, that's such, like, a red flag. He's running around pretending to stab people. He, like, loves guns but and But then knives. again, I think about, like, okay, I mean, I've always had a pocket knife collection because knives are handy tools and stuff. And, like... What's there's always a high school, you know, in in every class, there's at least one or two of the weird kids that think it's funny to like be like super morbid and like talk about fucked up shit just to get a reaction out of people. Yes, but if you're going around pretending to stab people and like really into killing movies, you don't think that's funny. I just feel like maybe someone should be like, "Mm, this person might need some counseling, or like someone should check in on this kid and make sure they're okay. Why are they like? so fucking fucked up in the head Hmm. let's find out 
Well, they you didn't. Know? They were just like, oh, you and your little stabby and your little prancing through the halls pretending to slit throats. There's just got to be more like checks for kids that are like going through something like that. <sighs> you would assume so. But then again, our mental health system in general sucks. Well, that's true. Where I mean, so... you check in on a kid like that, they need actual help. Where do you send them? No one can afford to send them somewhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Aww. like, I mean, in a high school full of kids, there's a couple, you know, 100 kids in a class or a couple hundred kids in a class or whatever. It's like, as a teacher, there's only like 25 of you. Like, how do you, how do you pay attention to every single student? I just feel like he's like so blatantly out of control. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hindsight, you know, but. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I just also wish like, that there was someone who had intervened earlier on. But they also, you know, he's known as, like, the, the kid that wants to make, like, movies and stuff. So it's, like, half the stuff is, like, just him acting out and oh, he's filming. just being dramatic. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, he's just one of those. He's just going to, like, become a star someday or something. I don't know. Or he's just going to get I just over feel like it. there's a difference between, like, a pocket knife collection and what I'm guessing his knife collection looked like in his closet. <laughs> I'm thinking more, like, Scream-style knives and... You know, cleavers and things. Oh, my God. I don't know about cleavers. Is that the word for it? The, like, square ones, you know? Or, like, rectangle ones? Yeah, no, I don't think he had, like, that. Aren't those in horror movies, too? Chop, chop? Sure, yeah. He got a chop, chop. He probably had some of those. I don't... It didn't say he had a chop, chop. I mean, if he likes stabby, stabby, he might not like choppy, choppy. Yeah, it's a different motion. It is. (laughs) Anyway... Okay, so Anonymous also said that he believed that Tori had a crush on Cassie for over two years. So five days after the murder, Brian and Tori were arrested and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. Wow, that happened fast. Yes. Obviously, Tori did not take good enough notes on how not to get caught. (laughs) Those movies led him astray. How could those fictional films lead him so far? Off the mm. track of getting away with the perfect murder. Mm. And they were charged as adults for the crimes, even though they were 16. Because they were so brutal, because it was awful. Yeah. And planned out, right? Like premeditated. That's what they're thinking. Horrible. Well, him being like, oh, the perfect murder, you just need an alibi, but he didn't even make like a good alibi. It's like, <laughs> don't you know well, you like, go and get a ticket They're stub? just going to believe me. That I went, I, I said I went. <laughs> yeah, you go and you get the ticket stub, and then you, like, you know, read about what the movie is about. Oh, man. Well, he didn't put that in his notes. That wasn't in any of the movies he watched. <laughs> so they were, uh, okay, so during interrogation, Brian admitted he was present when Cassie was murdered, but, wow. that, he had no, but that he had no part in it. He said he that just he was cracked. Un- so, yeah. oh, my he God. Called okay. It. He said that he was under the impression that they were just going to scare Cassie as a joke. He's the one that was, like, new, right? He had, like, been there for a year or whatever. See, I keep getting them mixed up. Just because you said that What's-His-Face had a crush on her for two years. Yeah, so I think he's the... I don't... I don't want to say because I don't want to say it wrong. Okay. But I'm... More inclined to think that Brian was the one that was there the longest and that him and Matt were friends the longest and that Tori was kind of the new guy that was like kind of crazier. 
Except for if the other one was new and maybe was like having trouble making friends and then Tori like took him under his wing and was just kind of like, oh, we'll, like we'll be friends. And they were like instant friends. So he's like, oh, I have a friend. I shouldn't like question what he's doing because I have like mm. an ally here in a new town. It could be. Or at a new um, school or whatever. I really, so some of the articles, and I don't know if I was just reading them wrong, but it seemed like they interchanged them because at one point I wrote who was the new one, yeah. but then like another article was like, like switched the names and then I was like, I don't know and I don't want to say it incorrectly. So Just people like, what's his face, are very like charismatic to some people and can really like draw them in. Mm -hmm. Well, also, um, Brian, like he was kind of like a more shy person and he had kind of like a, a stutter so oh, i think yeah. like he yeah like you said i think the other guy was mm, i wouldn't call him charismatic because i've seen like well not <laughs> interviews of him and he like, is creepy as fuck no, i understand that <laughs> i meant charismatic to people who need you know to to yeah. brian he seemed like maybe someone who was like in control of his life someone who could intimidate others like a good ally for him yeah. whereas like he would right. get picked on if he was like friends with like the crazy one you know right yeah 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 so here's what supposedly happened that night according to brian well it's pieced together with um basically what was said in court like the court documents okay. yeah, of yeah. how it was and then like a little bit of like you know brian said and tori said and okay. okay brian and tori did go to the house and they did hang out with cassie and matt for a few hours before they left the house but before they left brian left the basement door unlocked and so that they would have access to the house later yeah they they got in their car and drove it down the block and parked. Yeah. And then they waited a few minutes and they put on dark clothes, gloves, and these like creepy white masks. Like the scream face? They're not the scream face. Okay. They were like a white, like almost just like like a face, a regular face shape, like white mask mm -hmm. with like red splatter on it. Oh, okay. They each grabbed a knife and they started walking towards the house with the intention of murdering Cassie. Well, Brian says that he thought that it was, uh, they were just going to go scare them. Because that sounds fun. Yeah. That's like a I good mean, prank. Scare someone to I death. Mean, you're used to going around the hallways pretending to stab people and slit I hate their throats. Pranks. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. And it's like he, basically, it came, comes down to, in the end, Tori was like, Tori was like, I didn't stab him. Brian stabbed. I didn't stab her. Brian stabbed her. And yeah. then Brian's like, I didn't stab her. Uh, Tori stabbed her. I believe Tori stabbed her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a sociopath for sure. Anyway. Yeah. So they walked down the driveway with their masks on and their knives in hand. And they entered through the unlocked basement door and they went inside. They said that they made a bunch of noise and they like threw a couple glass ashtrays off the cement ground trying to make some noise. Mm -hmm. And they were hoping that Matt and Cassie would come down to the basement and then they could scare them. Mm -hmm. But after a while, they realized no one was coming down the stairs. So then they found the breaker box and they cut the power to the house. And so they're they potentially so they planning on killing both of them. Potentially. Tori, not Brian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they were like, hopefully, you know, th according to them, they they 
flipped off the breakers and they were like, well, maybe they'll come down and try and flip the breakers back on. Right. But I'm like, I don't know what 16-year-old would know, know to about like breaker go box. find a breaker box. <laughs> well, they knew about I mean, them. But... They did. So, yeah, exactly. Mm, maybe. <laughs> I guess it depends. But no one came down the stairs. Yeah. It's and like, let's so... make the basement so terrifying and expect them to come <laughs> investigate. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Uh, don't you think that they watch horror movies and took notes? Do not, not go in there. the basement. <laughs> if you hear a noise, leave the fucking house. Yeah. Don't go up oh, the stairs. Would have been good. Yeah. Mm, unfortunately, they didn't have a car. So when nobody came down the stairs, they turned the power back on and they waited a few minutes. And then once they heard Matt leave with his mom, they turned the power off again. Oh, God, Cassie. Then they started to walk up the basement stairs. At the top of the stairs, Brian opened a closet door and slammed it. In an attempt to, so to scare terrifying. her. so terrifying. She's already scared. Uh-huh. One of the dogs went to investigate, but since they had met the dog earlier, the dog was like, oh, it's you, and then just oh, went back to dog. where Cassie was. Oh, no. Yeah. And so they, Brian and Tori followed the dog back into the living room, and they saw Cassie laying on the couch. When she saw them, she jumped up and asked them who they were, and then Tori, like, took a step towards her, and Brian says he hung back. And then Cassie said, I'm going to kick your ass. Ugh. And then Brian said later that he heard Cassie scream after she said that. Mm. And then he said he saw Tori stab her multiple times. Oh, my God. Why? He said then Cassie fell to the ground, and he heard a snoring, gurgling sound coming oh. from her. Tori tells Brian he doesn't know what he's done, but now they have to kill her. So Tori stabbed her more times until she stopped moving. Why? They then left the house and got in their car, and they turned on their video camera and began recording themselves. Oh my god. In the video, and you can watch the video. No, thank you. You can hear one of them say, and it's... I'm guessing it was Tori. Tori says, I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just uh, disappear. Dude, I just killed Cassie. And then you can hear Brian saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then one of them says, which sounds like Tori said, oh fuck, I feel like it wasn't even real. I mean, it went by so fast. And then the other guy says, shut the fuck up. We got to get our act straight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Just, like, horrible, horrific, awful, awful. Also, you're going to make a confession on video, and that's how you're getting away with the perfect murder? Oh, yeah. They filmed a lot of stuff. Fucking idiot. Yeah. This is Uh, horrible. They had no reason at all. No reason. This poor girl. She was their friend. Like unprovoked. Yeah. Uh -uh. Yeah. So they drove back to Tori's house and kind of kept a low profile for a little bit. And while they were there, they got a garbage bag and they put the costumes, the masks and the gloves, including the knives and the videotape of them that they had filmed themselves before and after the murder. Oh, that's right. They filmed themselves on the way to her house. To say what, though? In that part of the video, you can hear them talking. And one of them says, We found our victim, and sad as it may be, she's our friend. But you know what? We all have to make sacrifices. 
Our first victim is going to be Cassie Stoddard. She's going to be alone in a big dark house out in the middle of nowhere. How perfect can you get? And then the other guy says, I mean, like, holy shit, dude. I'm horny just thinking about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, that makes them both sound complicit. It makes it sound like they both know what's happening. Exactly. (sighs) What the fuck? Uh Uh-huh. There was also on the tape um, them, like, they were filming themselves, like, in school. It looked like they were in the library or something, and they were, like, quote-unquote writing their movie script or whatever and, like, basically finalizing details about the murder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they took all that stuff and put it in a trash bag, and they also grabbed some rubbing alcohol from the house, and they left the house with the bag and got into Tori's car. They then drove to a store to buy matches and they drove to black rock canyon area which i guess is like a nature area Mm -hmm. and they got out of the car and walked up a trail out of view and then they attempted to burn the contents of the bag with just matches like no accelerant the alcohol rubbing alcohol and matches but um nothing really burned like they were hoping it would burn yeah (laughs) so tori dug a shallow hole and buried the bag fucking idiot then they drove back to tori's house and you guessed it watched a movie why didn't they buy like gasoline (laughs) rubbing alcohol yeah oh my god okay Mm -hmm. this is all happening over the weekend like they just killed her then the next day they're doing all this yeah they they killed her they went to tori's house Stayed low, hung out there, got the stuff, went yeah. out the next morning, buried the bag, tried okay. to light it on fire, well, then buried it. Idiots. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tori and Brian had separate trials. During Brian's trial, and th- they were like super fast. During his trial, he was found guilty on April 17th, 2007. Yeah. And Tori was found guilty on June 8th, 2007. Okay. On August 21st, 2007, they each received a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole and 30 years to life for conspiracy to commit murder. Right. They're both serving time at Idaho State Correctional Institution. Both of their attorneys filed separate appeals in 2010 and 2011. Both appeals were denied. In 2010, Cassie's family filed a lawsuit against the Idaho School District claiming yeah. like you said that the school was negligent and should Why have known that Tori and Brian anything? right yeah but that case was dismissed after a judge decided that the events that took place were not foreseeable i mean In- it's hard because some kids some kids are just acting out you know for mm-hmm. attention or whatever and they would never do anything violent yeah. And then you don't want to ruin their life by, you know. Well, no, but even with kids like that, like, you should check in and just be like, they hey, should, is everything I mean, going okay at yeah, home? Yeah, if they like, are acting out, on? they should get some counseling. Right, do you have depression? Like, what's happening? Yeah, Let's find true. out what's going on with you. Because usually it's that's something. True. Well, if only we we had more money in our school systems to be able to Every school that. should have a counselor, at least one. If at not least multiple, one. multiple. Depending on the size of the school. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at that age, like everything sucks. Yeah. High school's fucking hard. Mm. Yuck. It's the worst time ever. 
Um, in 2013, Brian finally admitted to his involvement, and he actually seems genuinely remorseful. I thought There's he like admitted a, to it earlier. He, he did. Well, I guess he admitted that he might have like been more involved than just standing back. Uh-huh. But um, there's a documentary. I think it's called like Lost Life or Life Lost or something. And it's they interview people that are in prison, like child murderers, basically. Mm. And they interviewed both of them. And like Brian, like seems genuinely like he's like, you know, I fucked up. It was horrible. Like I don't deserve to get out. But like well, the whole I, like if he was the one that made that comment on the way there, I think it could be like a couple of things. Either he really is like a sociopath, just like the other one. Or he was trying to impress his friend yeah, and, like, trying to fit up. in mm-hmm. kind of a thing and be like, well, this is what he would want me to say. Because at that age, you're still, like, figuring out who you well, are. And also, like, he, you know, said fucked up shit on the way there. Right. Like, if he thought they, it was... Know, they, and they've been, like, working on, you know, their script and, like, getting each other amped up and, like, doing right. pranks and all that stuff. So, like, if he thought... But they're talking about, like, their victim. Yeah, but if he thought it was, like, a prank, if he thought that was, like, a way for them to, like, make their movie and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, we're still in this, like, fantasy world. Yeah. So there could have been, like, a few reasons why he would say something like that. But I just, like we talked about before, like, if you're a kid and you commit a crime, I feel like you should be, like, sentenced and then reevaluated when you're, Mm -hmm. like, an adult to see okay, well, were you really just not able to comprehend, like, what was actually happening? Or were you, like, are you out of your mind and you need to be locked right. up because you're scary? Right, yeah. Um. So, and then Tori, like, he still refuses to take responsibility. He basically keeps saying that Brian, it was Brian's fault. Brian did it all. In the interview, his, um, on that documentary, his parents were there. Yeah. And they kept being, like, it's so hard because he's like falsely accused and like he doesn't deserve to be in here. And like, you can tell like the way that he's talking, like the way that he looks away when his dad is like, Oh, you know, you're innocent. And like, it must be really hard for you in here. You can tell that he knows that he did it. Well, he's just saying what, what they want to hear. Well, also like having parents like that, where they're always making excuses Mm -hmm. for their kids, their kids are going to always make excuses too. He's not going to take responsibility when his parents are like, Oh no, it wasn't him. Like, why would he be like, yeah, it was, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's lovely. Um, In 2012, the U.S. Supreme Court barred states from imposing mandatory life without parole sentences to people under the age of 18. Yeah. But in the state of Idaho, there was no system in place letting inmates know of Supreme Court rulings so they could get shorter sentences. Oh, wow. Which is like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. And um, because of that, I, I guess by that time or... During that time, Brian and Tori had exhausted all their appeals. Oh, no. Which meant that they would not have a right to an attorney, like, for to try and get You can't the, appeal the again. You're done. Yeah, yeah exactly. So That's they weren't... ridiculous. When laws yeah. get passed like that, you need to go through, like, someone needs to be in charge of going through all the inmates and being like, all right, these ones deserve, like, a second trial, and then these ones don't, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. That's insane. And then it said that like the the new the the rule that they made applies to all all except those convicted juveniles whose crimes fall under the category of permanent incorrigibility, meaning that no amount of help will change them. Yeah. Basically, like you said, like right. you got to evaluate them and see if they're 
if well, yeah, you they don't, you shouldn't let out a threat to society. Yeah, who've already murdered at a young age. You don't want to like be like, all right, go ahead, go free again. Mm-hmm. In 2015, Tori got a hearing for post-conviction relief because he claimed that character witness testimony that his attorney didn't use for his trial could have possibly changed the sentence that he There's got. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that anything would have changed the sentence. Well, in 2016, he was denied the post-conviction relief. Yeah. So then he appealed. Yeah, what kind dis- of wit? You have like Jesus testifying <laughs> yeah. for you. Like, it was there's probably no his way. parents being like, "He's a good boy. He would never do it." It's all I feel Brian's like they would have anyway. I know. Ugh. Uh, so he and then he appealed the decision to the Idaho Supreme Court, but the court was like, "No." Uh, fuck no. In 2016, the Supreme Court made its ruling retroactive, potentially overturning life sentences for minors convicted of murder. So there is a possibility in the future that they could receive parole or a shorter sentence. Um, But in 2019, Tory tried again to get his sentence reduced but was denied. Yeah, good. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like you can't sentence them to life without the possibility of parole, but you can sentence them to life. Yeah. And they can just be in there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, he's, like, scary as fuck. Like, he doesn't qualify because he's, like, was it constantly incorrigible? What did you say? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like that (laughs) thing. Yeah, he permanently incorrigible. Or permanent incorrigibility. Um, Yeah, because, like I said, in the interview, it's, like, it's crazy. Like, Brian, like, he seems like a genuinely nice person. Like, he made a mistake. Yeah. He seems like he could be rehabilitated. Yeah. He was a kid is a sociopath like just i yeah tori is definitely well it sounds like he was never held accountable if his parents are like that it doesn't sound like they ever held him accountable they never like made him face punishment for like what he did it was probably always like oh well it wasn't me that did it it was someone Mm -hmm. else or i didn't mean to do it and they're like oh yeah of course you would never mean to do anything like that you're fine like no punishment Mm -hmm. ever and then you're like well i don't have i can't face punishment ever like no one's gonna get me yeah yeah he is gross um i think that brian got caught up in the like you said, maybe it was because he felt like he needed a friend and it would, he and Tori was someone that he felt like safe with and that he could be himself and was protected and, you know. Or not even be yourself, but be the person that that person wants you to be so they like you and then they'll like right. stay friends with you. Because that age is so hard. It's so hard, especially if you're like lonely and going through like all that high school shit. And if you have like a stutter or something, so people are going to like make fun of you yeah. or have made fun of you in the past. And like yep. if you've found it difficult to make friends, you finally make a friend, you'll do whatever mm-hmm. it takes to not lose that friend. Sure. And he probably believed that he wouldn't actually kill anyone. He was like, yeah. oh, we're all we're just like playing a game. Basically, yeah. we're playing pretend. Yeah. This is all I for mean, our movie or whatever. Like, yeah. That is a horrible story. But at the end of the day, they like murdered a, a child. Yeah. Their friend. Someone that she considered, she considered them both to be her friends. They like tortured her. They terrified her and then murdered yeah. her for no reason other than the fact that the one's a sociopath and the other one mm-hmm. couldn't stand up to him and be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, and and also, if it did happen, like Brian says it did, where, like, he's just standing back, and they were just going to, you know, scare her, and then, like, be like, haha, just kidding, or whatever, 
and then you just see your friend start like wailing on this poor innocent person with a knife like what do you do you'd be terrified what what do you yeah first of all you'd be in shock and you'd be like what the fuck is happening and then after that if they're like we gotta kill her now you'd be like what the fuck like and um you're like psycho i don't want you to kill me so i can't like Plus, you're young and you're you. like, well, I don't want to get in trouble for this. Like, we got to mm-hmm. cover up for what we up. did. You were here. You were here. Yeah. So you're complicit. You yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that was a tragic. Yeah. Sorry. About but yeah, the that. one I feel like sociopath. But he. Uh, you got to give your kids consequences. It's just like. And you're going to mm-hmm. create monsters. Oh, my God. His parents were just disgusting. They, they created like, a monster. They did. And they're monsters themselves. Like, well, I'm sure the they were like meaning like, well, you know, they're like, you know, they're raising their kid. They're trying not to like, that's their baby, you know, they're not going to want to punish them or whatever. I don't know. But. Oh, the, the documentary was called Lost for Life. Is it just about them or is it about other people? No, too? I think it's just a documentary, but it's about like um, juveniles who were sentenced to life in prison without parole and kind of yeah. like different that's just crazy stories and why they're there and everything and yeah brian was basically like you know you know i'm not saying i'm a, a saint or anything but like since i got in i re- i realized the mistake that i made and like the impact that it made on the family and i've been yeah. moving towards like trying to heal and trying trying to make like just trying to change and be a better person and all that stuff and he was like and tori is still stuck at day one when we were brought to prison. He hasn't changed at all. He hasn't tried to make any like amends. Are they in prison he hasn't... together? Yeah, they're at the same prison. Weird. Yeah. He said like he's still like in denial. In denial, complete denial. And it's been years and years and years. Cause of the um the documentary was from like 2013, I think. So they had been wow. in prison for like what is that? Don't make me do math. Six years. Yeah. yeah. Six years. Yeah. And he was like, he's still stuck at day one. <sighs> So, the tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. So, a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway. Right, so the tossed salad has more components, the person is able to compartmentalize. And a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong, and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind, they're all kinds of mixed up, there's no focus, they're disorganized. Well, I think, I don't know, I think they're both tossed salads because i feel like even though tori will deny it he knew that it was wrong to kill a friend mm-hmm. he was like oh it's unfortunate that she's our friend and we have to yeah. like murder her yeah. so he knew and the other one i think was just like a kid who got all wrapped up in whatever i just feel like when you're young you're like so easily convinced of things <laughs> that it's like okay to do something when really clearly it's like not but you're like well, oh well, everyone else is age. doing it or my friend's doing it or because you're, yeah. you're invincible at that age and you're all just joking around and you're all just like you know being mean to each other for funsies and, it's and like, you're like trying to be adults when you clearly don't have like the capacity to make those decisions as adults so it's just like oh i'm independent i can like make yeah. my own choices and, and you're also trying to fit in so yes. at the same time you're making these choices based on how you think it's going to affect your friend group yeah or like you need your popularity yeah. or yeah you know you can't lose your one friend 
That would be devastating. Yeah. <sighs> so. Well, what's Corey's deal though? He had like a crush on her, so he had to kill her. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. I don't. So I don't know weird. if it was they, they kind of tried like alluded to the fact that like because she had turned him down so many times he was like got to kill her or something but uh-huh. like they didn't really say but I mean that could uh, make sense though where it's like okay well here's this person who trusts me and also like hurt me by not wanting to go out with me so she keeps she's rejecting the first victim me and she's like, it's like I have access in, to incel, her though it's that incel yeah. mentality of like well you know She's just trash, obviously, because yeah. she doesn't want me. So, like, what's wrong with her? Right. And it's like, no, dude, you're fucking creepy as shit. Well, and she's especially just being nice to you. if they're like, oh, she's like all alone in like this big house by herself, like mm-hmm. the perfect victim, really. Yep. And then, yeah, where like, oh, her boyfriend's not going to protect her. I would have protected her, but he's like, mm. he's leaving her. He's not even going to protect her. So she deserves to die or whatever. You know, that weird logic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if she had only gone out with me, then she would be safe. But now, mm. all bets are off. Could be. Ew. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Icky. That was awful. So if you want to wash that disgusting feeling off your skin. Wash it away. Wash it away with Humble Bee Herbals products. Try out some wonderful soaps. Check out their wonderful soaps. They have a bunch of year-round soaps and shampoo bars, and they also make seasonal soaps every month. So you get to try something new every month, and it's really cool. They use, like, seasonal herbs. It's small batch soaps, so you know they're good. They also have a sunscreen out called Be Be Blocked that's really nice. It's all natural, and it smells good, and it feels good, and it works. So check them out. Use code CRIMINE20 at checkout. To get 20% off your first order. At HumbleBeeHerbal.com. That's HumbleBeeHerbal.com. Okay, so here is my story. I got my information from CountrysideBooks.co.uk. Okay. Sounds com. It's not. Oh. And ExaminerLive.co.uk. Okay. So, at 3.30... Okay, this one... So, I found this story when Zachary's parents were staying here in the house that they were renting, had, like, this bookshelf, and one of the books was, like, like crazy stories. I forget what it was called. It was something, like... Um, basically, like, crazy stories. I don't remember. But Wacky it has, it's like, tales. a 26... Yeah, it's, like, a 26-volume thing or whatever, and I was, like, oh flipping through it. And they had volume one. So I was flipping oh. through it and I saw this like story and I was like, what? But then I like couldn't really, I didn't have my phone. So I couldn't take like a picture of the pages. So I just like wrote down the name really quickly. <sighs> and then I like went and tried to research it. And then like I couldn't really find all the stories were basically the same, yeah. you know, so I couldn't get a lot of information. But then the sites that I did, I found like one site that was pretty good at like writing it all out. So it might be like kind of a short story, but I thought it was kind of like a... A wacky tale, Sorry. would you say? <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of weird. Ooh. So at 3.30 p.m. on the on Friday 6th, June 1980, Zygmunt Adamski, 56, set off from his home in Wakefield to the local shops, and then he vanished. Uh-oh. Also, I like how you said the date, like you're from the U.K., 
So that oh, was that's helpful. obvious. I obviously got it from <laughs> yeah. like a UK article. Six June. <laughs> I thought I changed them, but I did not. Okay. So this was the last time that anyone saw him alive. Hmm. His body was found five days later, 25 miles away from where he was like walking to the stores Uh-oh. in a town called Todd Morton. And he was found on top of like a coal pile in a coal mine. What? So obviously yeah. he had to have been transported there. He's just like walking through town and yeah. he's found 25 miles away in right. some coal. Yes. So Zygmunt, I'm guessing it's Jan. Mm-hmm. It's Jan. Jan. So it's probably Jan, right? Adamski was born in Poland on August 17th, 1923. So he's a Leo. He uh, was forced to leave, like a lot of other Polish people during World War II, mm. and then he ended up settling in England. He set up home in the West Yorkshire village of Tingley, Tingley, Tingley. <laughs> I live in Tingley. <laughs> in Tingley, and he became a coal miner. Lovely oh, okay. work. Okay, so he was so, okay. So he was familiar with the coal mines that he ended up dead i'm not sure if he worked in those mines well i'm sure as a coal miner you know of the mines in town yeah in and around town well it says he was found in a coal hopper which i don't know what that is Mm, well has to probably do something with coal mining uh yeah (laughs) okay so in 1951 he married okay her name is leocadia but everyone called her lottie she developed multiple multiple sclerosis later in life and eventually she was bound to a wheelchair so zygmunt needed to spend more time with her to take care of her Mm -hmm. and i guess he did like a really good job of taking care of her and he like loved her a lot so he just wanted to like be with her and he wanted to help her out since she had trouble like getting around yeah and also his own health was kind of not great he's like in the coal mines yeah, yeah, so he had been off work for several months because he had a lung yeah. deformity oh, that God. made breathing difficult. Yep. So he's ailing. His wife is ailing. She needs help. He's got the black lung. He can't breathe. Yeah. So he decided to apply for early retirement. Yeah. So he submitted a request to retire, I think, to like the company that he was working for, uh, but the company rejected it (laughs) they're like no you can't retire he's like i need to like take care of my own health and my wife's they're like too bad get back in the mines (laughs) uh but i guess later on they reviewed it and then they were like okay yeah you could you could have early retirement but that reversal happened like they mailed it out and it arrived in the mail the day after he disappeared (gasps) so he never knew that he was actually approved for the shit early retirement so family and friends were sure that he didn't that he didn't like disappear on his own. Mm-hmm. They were like he's not depressed, so he obviously like didn't run away and like kill himself or something. Like he's not depressed. This is before about they found being his able... body. Yeah. Okay. So they're just like he's yeah, gone. he's just yeah, missing okay. at this point. They said he would never have left his wife. Mm-hmm. He like loved her. Neighbors said that they were devoted to each other. He was in good spirits. The day that he disappeared, he went shopping in the town center with his cousin and her son, who were visiting from Poland. So he had, like, family there. 
And then that afternoon, they all returned to their home and then sat down to eat fish and chips. Mm, yum. <laughs> Delicious. And Zygmunt was enjoying his cousin's visit and was happy having family time. And he was also really excited about the next day because he was going to give away his goddaughter in marriage. And he had, like, written a speech for the occasion. Mm. And he was just, like, he would have never let his goddaughter down. Yeah. So he had, like, everything so he didn't going just leave for him on at this point. Own. Yeah, he would have never just left on his own. So at half past three, Zygmunt announced that he would just go out to the local shops a few hundred yards down the street to get some potatoes. So he grabbed his jacket and his wallet, his driver's license, and some change, and he left the house. On the way to the shops, he stopped and talked to a neighbor really quickly. They just exchanged some, like pleasantries conversation yeah something like that <laughs> or they were like giving each other a hard time i don't know but they were like talking and the neighbor was washing his car and then he was like i'm going off to the shops but he never made it there mm. when zygmunt did not return that evening lottie contacted the police to report him missing mm -hmm. she's like he's this is not like him at all yeah. he was just gonna go get some potatoes down the street yeah he's not back and the police were like oh you have to wait 24 no. hours to file a report no as she's waiting this 24 hours, because it's getting dark mm -hmm. and he's still not there, she, like, the whole family goes out looking for him. They're, like, walking the streets, just, like, trying to search for him themselves because they're, like, we know something's wrong. Yeah. He wouldn't just disappear. The police aren't doing anything. We have to. So they were, like, they were out looking for him. And then finally, when 24 hours passed, she did report him missing to the police again. And the police finally went out and looked for him themselves. And then Lottie also talked to a local newspaper and got a story published about his disappearance. Like, she's mm. super proactive in trying to find him. Yeah. So even through all of this, no one could find him. What the fuck? Until almost exactly five days later to the minute his body was discovered. Whoa. So at 3.45 p.m. on Wednesday, June 11th, 1980... Trevor Parker, the son of a Todd Mort Morden coal mechanic, no, merchant. <laughs> Sorry. I was trying not to stumble over the town name that I stumbled over, merchant. So Trevor gets to his father's coal yard, and he finds a man's body resting in a hollow on top of a pile of coal. The pile is a 10-foot-tall <gasps> pile of coal. Okay, so someone had to put him in a tractor bucket How thing, do you get him up dumpers. there? What are those it's, called? A little scooper? I think it's called the bucket <laughs> of the tractor, I think. <laughs> but coal is really slippery, and it's really powdery, yeah. so you would have seen it could... A tractor can't get up there, I don't think. Oh no, I Are was you thinking about, like, like a crane, like yeah, a crane like a big picks one of the and... one of the scoopies with the big the long necks, one of the long necks, you know, like that's a like the twelve foot and it's tall got, like, the long little scooper neck. and it scoops and yeah. then goes like it would have to be very tall. Yeah, they can get pretty to get tall. Up there. And I assume <laughs> they have equipment like that to dump the coal. Well, the other weird thing is. So Trevor had already been there that morning at 8.15. He went there to, like, open the gates uh, to the yard and just in case they had any deliveries. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, and then he left. But he was sure that there was no body there when he got there at 8.15 in the morning. Mm. So between the time of 8.15 and 3.45, a body appeared and no one had been there. There were no deliveries or anything. Like, no one had been there since. 
and I'm guessing like where his body was and how it was displayed, like he definitely didn't not see it the first time, you know, like yeah, he would have seen no. it. I mean, he came in like later that afternoon and like immediately saw it. Yeah. So he wouldn't have not like seen it. So uh, Trevor was like clearly shaken Uh when he saw the body. So he was like in shock. And then he called for an ambulance Mm. after he like got himself together. It's not just the fact that the body appeared while he was gone Mm -hmm. during those like hours that he was gone and that no one had been by to deliver it. But it's also... Okay, so the side, the coal pile, they would describe it as greasy. Mm-hmm. So for him to have climbed that coal pile is like not likely, especially because it had been raining most of the day. So it had been really slippery. And Zygmunt had like a lung deformity, so he couldn't even breathe. So there's no way this guy climbed up a coal pile yeah. by himself. Yeah. Plus you would probably see like coal debris at the bottom of the pile from him like kicking it and pulling it out with his hands trying to scramble up that thing. Right. So also the other another weird thing is that he was wearing his jacket, but his shirt was missing Hmm. and his wallet and his watch were also missing. Hmm. And they said that it seemed like he'd been dressed in a hurry because his clothes were improperly fastened. Oh, so someone put them back on him or something. Yeah. It seems like someone dressed him in a hurry. And then his hair had also been like cut short in a roughly cut manner. Like, someone hacked at his hair for some reason. And his clothes were, like, relatively clean and not covered in coal dust. Yeah, I was just going to ask if how how covered in coal he was when they found him. Because that's another way to show he's not scrambling up there. Mm -hmm. And then the other... Yeah, he would be. And then the other weird thing was that he had a strange burn mark on the back of his neck, head, and shoulder. Are you telling me it's aliens? I might be. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. So this is why it's so weird. Okay. What else could it be? Okay. 25 minutes later, police officers Mervyn Haig and Alan Godfrey arrived to inspect the body and to question Trevor Parker. Trevor told them what he knew, but there seemed to be nothing to go off of. Yeah. It's like, I was gone. I came back. This body is here. The end. So Godfrey said that he would never forget the look on Zygmunt's face. Quote, those eyes were staring up at me. I was looking down on him from a foot away. Those eyes sent a shudder down my spine. They were wide open. He had a look of someone who had seen something or someone that had scared him to death. Oh, my God. And that would have been terrifying. Oh, my God. (laughs) He added, something or someone put him on top of that pile of coal, and something scared him to death. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, so the body was transferred to the mortuary uh, nearby Hebden Bridge, and that night at 9.15 p.m., a postmortem was conducted by a pathologist to find the cause of death. Yeah. So, Dr. Alan Edwards was the pathologist, and he estimated that the time of death was between 11.15 a.m. and 1.15 p.m., around 8 to 10 hours prior to the postmortem. Mm-hmm. So, he so was the body, missing therefore, for, like, four, five days and then killed that yeah. last day. Yes. So, he had been alive, and then he'd been in the yard for at least two hours. 
mm. two and a half hours before he was found. So yeah, where was he for those five days? Up in outer space. <laughs> there were no major physical injuries evident and no internal injuries, which show that he probably didn't die of like being attacked or an assault of any kind. There, just the weird oval-shaped burn marks on the left of the neck and below the ear. And they caused, like, these burns caused a slight loss of skin, brown discoloration, and then there was a tacky substance applied to Ooh. them, presumably a form of ointment. Mm. But then samples were sent to a home office laboratory, which couldn't identify it. Uh, oh. And apparently the substance has, like, never been identified what, what it is. What the? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just like so, some doctor, gasoline on a cattle prod and some. I feel like they'd know what ga- what gasoline, <laughs> what vaseline looked like. I know that's right. Uh, a lab would be able to determine if it was like petroleum. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of vaseline, don't put that on your skin. <laughs> Let's use like all natural products from Humblebee Herbal, please. <laughs> I used to put like vaseline on my lips, you Ooh. know, when they were dry. Mm-hmm. But now I just use Humblebee Herbal lip balm, and it's way better. Yeah. It is amazing. I use it as well. Check them out. Okay, so Dr. Edwards thought that the marks indicated contact with a corrosive substance, but he couldn't de- he couldn't decipher what it was. What the fuck is happening? And then even though the burns were, they're not minor injuries, obviously they caused some loss of skin, mm-hmm. but he determined that they weren't the cause of death. But they could have caused some alarm to Zygmunt and brought on a heart attack. So the Mm. final verdict was natural causes, as he had obviously died from heart and chest disease. What the... Okay. So Godfrey, the police, Uh spoke to the pathologist, and he said that the pathologist said it was a classic case of someone who had been scared to death. A classic case that happens enough? That that's like, what? Yep, duh, it happens all the time. And he didn't have any enemies or? Well, we don't know. So even though Zygmunt was found minus his shirt, which was never found, he was in good shape. His body showed that he had only had one day's growth of stubble. So apparently he was staying somewhere that he was shaving. And do we know if he was being fed? Yeah, his stomach was empty but it only shown that he didn't eat that day. But other than that, it seemed like he had been fed. He wasn't That's like. That's weird that you would let, like, if you were holding someone captive, like, you would, like, shaving would be the last thing you would think of. And giving yeah, them a blade and Yeah, and then why would you, stuff? like, chop his hair all weird and then not put his shirt on? But, yeah, you would, like, shave him or let him shave his face. It's weird. Huh. It's weird. Dr. Edwards found an abrasion on the man's thigh and superficial cuts on both his hands and knees. So what happened to him? I'm thinking Nazi aliens. They were like <laughs> so you... UFOs. Well, there were some people, rumors, some people say that it was the KGB, but there's like absolutely no evidence mm. as to it being KGB. Yeah. But other people say it was UFOs. I mean, to me, okay. So they obviously yeah. didn't dig in to like find if he has enemies or anything like that. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh. But I'm going to do the UFOs Or if he first. had, like, a second wife, and then he's like... No, no he definitely, definitely did not. No, no he loved right. his wife so it was like, and his family. 
okay, I'm thinking a Nazi with a backloader or one of those long neck tractors, I like to call it. In 1980, this Nazi wanted to find a random Polish dude <laughs> living in the UK. You know, to burn you... him and scare him to death, and then drop him on a coal. Well, pile. when you lay it all like out, out like that, it makes me sound <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's nuts. So, in the weeks leading up to the disappearance. There had been numerous reports to newspapers and the police about orange fireballs and other unidentified flying objects seen across West Yorkshire, mainly in Bradford, Halifax, and Todd Morden. Oh, maybe it was While government these... conspiracy. It was governments doing some kind of flat testing these spaceships, and he well, saw something, like... and they had to silence him. And then they hired the Nazi with the backloader and the long neck crane thing and put him on a pile of coal. Well, there's another thing that says, like, I guess they're, like, these lightning balls. I don't know if they're real or not, but apparently people believe that they're, like, these lightning balls that go, like, mm -hmm. go, like, horizontally yeah. or something. But then he didn't have any signs of, like, being hit by lightning, no. really. Just, like, a couple weird oval-shaped spots. It seems like so he weird. was, like, stun-gunned in the neck or something. And then... and Oval-shaped, though? Sure. I don't know. Maybe it was, like, a homemade stun-gun. And they put homemade ointment that no one could identify. Well, because I'm thinking, you know birds. how, um, like when they do the clear, eep, yeah, you know what that, with yeah. the paddles, yeah, that the like paddles. they put ointment on those so they don't like, yeah, they so do. I would, so Burn I'm thinking the maybe they put ointment on this cattle prod thing that they made so it didn't like yeah. stick to the skin. Oh, that's why they do it. I think so. Maybe Ew. it's for burning the skin. I don't know. I don't don't know. ask oh. questions to make me sound dumb. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, okay, so he's been held for, like, five days or whatever. He's been fed, but then also shaved. Cattle prodded. But then it's well, like no, they I also tried the to take care of his wounds. The cattle prodding would be, like, the first encounter of, like, we got to knock him out and then kidnap him wherever we're taking him. Aboard our ship okay. or in our house. Well, there are multiple burn marks, though. You said two. Two. Yeah, so... Well, okay, so but I'm thinking, like, if he was abducted, maybe they were like, okay, we'll take you home, so go ahead and shave up, and we'll put some ointment on your, like, whatever, but then something scared him, and he got he had a heart attack and died, and they're like, oh, shit, we gotta, like, Dump get rid of his coal. body now. Okay, but back to the UFOs. <laughs> okay. Give me some time for the UFOs. Okay. okay, so some of these sightings were actually explained as aircraft, like they mm -hmm. always say. Atmospheric phenomena, which mm -hmm. I feel like if you have like a lot of methane or coal, fireballs are probably, yeah. you know, it's probably pretty flammable. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they also said that there were flares used by Moreland rescue teams, but some remained unexplained, hmm. including a substantial amount, which were reported after Zygmunt had disappeared. So in addition, one of the two police officers who arrived at the coal yard on June 11th alleged that he had a close encounter with UFO. <gasps> he said during the early morning of Friday, November 28, <laughs> 1980, I have to like redo all these, uh, police Alan Godfrey, the one who showed up at the I mean, they. I, I feel like they do it the right way, though. You got to do smallest to biggest. I think so, too. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. But uh, whatever. But whatever. <laughs> we like to be contrarians and We're not do it our uh, own way. changing the status quo here in the States anytime soon. Mm. First would be the metric system. If you can get that going, then the dates will come later. But <laughs> One thing at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time. And the metric system will never happen. No. 
I don't know why, but we're weird. (laughs) Oh, we certainly are. Okay, so Alan Godfrey was on night patrol, and he was driving along Burnley Road, which leads out of Todd Morden, which Todd Morden means, like, death. It means, like, murder death or something in German. Uh, but spelled nice, differently. Cute town of murder yeah. death. Because Morden means death, I think, and then Todd might be like murder. I don't remember. But anyway, that was like an aside. Okay, so so the police officer saw a huge object with a spinning top section and a row of windows hovering above Whoa. the road ahead of him. He stopped the car 100 yards away from the UFO and attempted to contact the police station on both his car radio and his walkie-talkie. But he couldn't get through. Yep. So the, the next thing he the knew... The UFOs cut the signals. They do. You gotta know. They Classic. Do. Okay. So the next thing he knew, he was 100 yards further down the road oh. from where he had been and... There had been a substantial time yes, lapse. Yes, that is another thing. Loss of time. Telltale sign mm-hmm. of being abducted. He didn't realize it like at first that there had been such time no, difference, but then like later right on away. he was like, "Oh." <laughs> Whoa, so eventually, it's way later than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, with the advice from the Manchester UFO Research Association, also called MUFORA. <laughs> He agreed to be hypnotized to discover what had happened during the missing time. Uh-huh. Okay. So, first of all, as a hypnotherapist, I really believe in hypnosis as, like, a means to kind of, like, remember what happened. But I also know how easy it is to lead someone mm. in hypnosis. So, if it's being conducted by, like, a hypnotherapist who works for the Manchester UFO Research Association, who's obviously looking for specific yes. answers, it's very easy to lead someone to get the answers you're looking I for. So, I might take this with a grain of salt. Okay. I don't know. But I thought it was kind of cool. So, the hypnotherapy session brought to light that Godfrey's uh, okay, so that Godfrey was taken inside the UFO, and then he was examined by alien beings. Mm-hmm. And probed. And then they then they erased his conscious memory. Oh, so there was, well, we don't know about the probing then, I guess. Well, they might know. They didn't go into it. Oh. Maybe you could find about the probing on your own. <laughs> I don't know. Do your own research. I mean, what are they looking for? Why don't they just leave us alone? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we probe them. Mm. I don't know. Okay. That's so weird. You think they'd have like better technology where because a probe wouldn't be necessary. Why don't they just like x-ray you or whatever? I mean, they probably do, but a probing is fun. And I mean, we're just like these weird <laughs> animals to them. They don't think like. We don't. Okay. I don't condone probing animals. Well, no. I Every mean, time I take Tobe to the vet and they stick a thermometer up his butt, I always feel very bad for him. <laughs> it looks very uncomfortable. Do they at least Vaseline it? <laughs> They should ointment it up. I think they do, don't Unidentified they? Unidentified ointment. Yeah. I don't think they use Vaseline. That's gross. Do they just lick it and stick it? Yeah. <laughs> don't you always feel bad when they do that to your animals? It's like, oh, God, that looks uncomfortable. Yeah. I, mean, I guess they can't, like, put it under yeah, their armpit or, like, like under lift their up tongue. your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need body temperature, but still looks very ugh, horrible. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> Back to the probing. 
Right. Okay. So then there are several reasons why Zygmunt was connected to the UFO theory. Mm. He had been gone for five days, mm-hmm. but no one had reported seeing him. And it's like a small town, so someone would have seen him. You would think that someone would have seen him. And then his body was like, you know, on the coal pile without any coal on him. Like 10 feet up. Without, yeah, when it had been raining, so it would have been really slick to get up there. So how's someone going to carry a body neck up there? crane, I'm telling you. You need a long neck crane. <laughs> And it was also close to, like, a really busy rail line, which I don't know why that was important, but... Hmm. I mean, I guess maybe... But there wasn't... To, to get the body down there? Or to, like, if or trains to hide are noise. going by and you could see it going up there or whatever. Well, it I don't also, know. like, muffles and then... noise and stuff, so if they had a long neck going out there, you know, <laughs> maybe not hear it. Maybe... I don't know, but then also they had to know, like, did they just happen by when the gates were unlocked and they're like, oh, I guess we'll go in here and drop the body? Or No, it's, I mean, it know? seems like someone knew, it seemed maybe like a coal rival. Maybe it was someone that like, <laughs> yeah, or like someone that didn't want him to retire and they were like, he's going to cost us money, so okay, we got to get I rid of him. Yeah, but I don't know that he worked for that coal well then we could set up the other coal company make it look like someone over there killed him and then we'll buy we'll take over their area and then we'll be the over coal a kings sickly 56 year old man who just wants to retire i don't think he's gonna be like that sought after no they just don't want to pay him out and then they can frame the other company huh <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway or a rival yeah, coaler and i mean but wouldn't you get a pension anyway? Wouldn't your wife get some of that money anyway? I would assume. Yeah. So what's the point of killing him when? So coal rival. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Also, no one had reported seeing anything odd during any any of those hours that he had been like put there. Okay. So no one reported seeing anything odd. And it would have been like so hard to put a body up there. Except for the long neck, I guess. But I don't know. I guess we need, like, a list of what kind of equipment they had at this place. Well, here's my thinking. Well, they must because... have had the thing with the... Because when you p- yes, pick up the coal... Yes, you have to have something to put the coal up that high. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And so there's probably something... So it had to be someone on... who knows how to operate right. heavy machinery. Right. And it's probably someone on site because they probably have those on site. So you would have to know where the key was. You'd have to know how to use it because I can't imagine it's you easy. You would. Well, hold on, And me... to, like, put him down gently where he's not, like, rolling back down... Yeah, you to get him, like, directly in the middle. You have to be, like, an expert with that. Yeah. Look up all the long neck drivers out there that time. I bet you that he that person did it. Or at least was in- involved. Well, okay, but the weird thing is he was dropped off in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, and then the Trevor dude, it didn't seem like anyone else was there working because he got there, he unlocked the gate, and then he left. Yeah, he left. So he unlocked so, it for delivery, yeah, so, so it seems like, like no one was there. Open, so, and the, it's the 80s, right? so they're not filming. So anyone could have driven in there. So it had to be someone who knows how to use cranes, who was off also that day, but also worked there potentially. Yeah, or knew know, or maybe. knew of that place and worked at the other one. Okay, so like like I said, there are like no marks on the you know like no footmarks or in, indentations mm-hmm. on the coal or anywhere near the coal pile. There are no like footmarks around the coal pile. And okay, so they were like basically we don't know how we got there. So drop from the sky is as good a theory <laughs> as any theory, you know. Who are these know. detectives? 
<laughs> well, the one had a UFO experience. That's true. And then he also went missing early Friday afternoon mm -hmm. in late spring. So it seems like even crazier that no one would have seen him either disappear or like Why, no one noticed anything. Because you think everyone's anything. like out and about? Yeah, it's like early. It's bright outside. Mm -hmm. You know, people are probably, it's Friday afternoon. People are probably well, like to his doing their errands. So or people are like out doing their yeah, yard work or whatever. Washing cars or getting, getting food for the potatoes. weekend or... Yeah, getting your getting your potato salad on. <laughs> so in 2005, decades after his passing, UFO investigators interviewed Zygmunt's family in an attempt to connect the dots themselves. Sweet. They discovered that Zygmunt and his wife had been caught in the middle of a family feud. Ooh, ooh. So instead of proving their point, they may have proved a different point. Hmm. Was this so... family member a coal miner with a backloading long know. neck crane thing? Well, a female family member got a restraining order against her husband, and Zygmunt and his wife allowed her to stay with them. Oh. So the okay. husband's obviously like violent Who's enough to get a restraining what does he order. Do? And the family the whole the family, the Adamski family, speculate that the man with the restraining order had taken Zygmunt in a fit of rage and held him captive and the stress of the incident could have led to a heart attack. And but what's the weird gel? <laughs> I mean, so Zygmunt Adamski has been described as a loving family man with no known enemies. Although dogged by bad health, he had a lot to live for. He was a man who had been a prisoner of war, escaped the horrors of the Nazis, settled and married, and worked in England only to die in the most mysterious of circumstances. Um. Although I think you're onto something. It would be interesting to know if the estranged husband worked for a coal work for that coal like, mine interview like any interview anyone that works in those areas that drive the heavy equipment well the family is pretty sure that it's that dude but mm. but that's what makes me think like did they not have heavy equipment around for police to be like yeah that could be how we got They're up there literally like oh well there's no footprints going up there's no like kicked down rocks Aliens, for sure. No other explanation. <laughs> well, I don't think... I don't know that all the police went there immediately. I think the most likely theory, whether it's the husband dude or not, that he got... Someone made some kind of taser thing on their handmade taser or something, got him when he was leaving his house, abducted him, kept held him captive, like you said, maybe was planning on, like, trying to get some ransom from his pension i don't know and then he died of a heart attack and the guy had to get rid of the body well ransom doesn't make any sense okay though. well <laughs> maybe it wasn't ransom maybe it was something else that i can't think of right now but he's such like a not he's just like you know just some dude who's like living his life taking care of his wife like, what enemies could he possibly have? Oh, you don't know. Could have had enemies from yeah. the past. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. A tossed salad, a scrambled egg.
scrambled egg. Well, I feel like the aliens are scrambled eggs because they're fucked up. <laughs> they like to stick things in people. Aliens out there, please. And fuck with our minds. No one's ever just needs. See? She didn't like it either. She hates being probed by the aliens. And by the vet, I'm sure. Yeah, mm. shake it off. She doesn't mind it, I think. Um, she really doesn't even notice it's no, happening. She doesn't. She's like, are you going to give me a cookie? That's you fine. like poke and prod her and she's just like, are we going to stand here forever? What's yeah, going on? Is that a light breeze I feel? What's happening? <laughs> well, um, that's crazy. I mean, if it were UFOs, that'd be fun. Would it be or would it be terrifying that they accidentally gave this dude a heart attack and then placed him in like, they're like, we need to find something high because we can't get too low because people will see us. <laughs> so yeah, I'll just like drop him on the coal pile. It will, it will cushion his fall. Oh, you think that like... 10 feet off the ground is going to be like easier than just going to the ground. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an alien. I can't tell you how they think. I don't know. Well, well, I think that you're probably more accurate in that someone must have kidnapped him for some reason. I just feel like, but, what okay, the hell were these the cops dude... doing? They didn't investigate no. shit. I think they must have, but then it's like, you know. First of all, it was deemed that he died of natural causes. So what are you going to do? Charge someone for killing someone of natural causes? We'll find out what where he was those five days because you could charge someone for kidnapping. But then it's weird, though, that he's like held for five days. And then on the fifth day, that's when he gets scared to death. Like, what did he see that gave him a heart attack? I mean, it might not. You know, have, he like shaved. It might have and been then... just like the like the stress of five days of like. Knowing that your wife depends on you 100%, like, who's going to be there for her? She, You know, like, all that. And then not knowing what's happening. But the police officer said he had a look of terror in his eyes. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I know. I don't know. Ooh. Anyway, that's the strange case. That is strange. Yeah. Very frustrating that it's not solved. Yeah. And what's the ointment? What is it? <laughs> you are so hung up how do on you that not, ointment. How do you not Well, I know wonder what it when, is. when are those articles written? Because maybe they can test it now and it would be like they would know what it was. If they had some like leftover. Leftover ointment remnants. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, how many kinds of ointment are there? <laughs> you know? Like, how do you not identify a single ingredient? I don't know. You it's know, in 1980, you'd think they'd have, like, more capability of just distinguishing what things are. You know what's great about Humblebee Erdwell products? <laughs> Every what? ingredient is something that you've heard of, and you know exactly what it is and where it comes from. Yeah, that's true. You can pronounce all the ingredients, and there's nothing weird or chemical or no mysterious ointments. <laughs> yep, nope. Every ointment in the uh, products are... <laughs> Every, Every ointment, ointment are, are... Listed in the ingredients. <laughs> they list their ointments in the ingredients. I'm not sure what classifies as an ointment. I feel like an ointment is like a combination of ingredients okay. to make an ointment. Well. You should check out Humblebee Herbal's products. <laughs> All of the ingredients are natural and pronounceable. Yes. Check them out. Humblebeeherbal.com. Promo code CRIMINY20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. Humblebeeherbal.com. Humblebeeherbal.com. All right. Well, yeah. I don't know. The ointment thing does bother me. It's very bothersome. I would like a list of 
uh, heavy machinery that they had at the mm-hmm. plant. Yep. A list of people working there. Names of people that he knew who worked there. And all the ointment makers of town in town. Also, foreign ointments as well. We need a we need an ointment lineup. Like, what if there's a special Polish ointment that they don't have in the UK that someone brought over? Well, that's why I'm saying, you know? like, when did they test it? Because were they just testing their system and in their system? And was it the 80s? Was it all uploaded? You know, is everything as advanced as it is now? I mean. Well, definitely not in the 80s. Right. But, but you'd think you'd be able to, like, find one ingredient that you're like... Mm. I mean, I don't know what kind of testing they did. Maybe they did like a taste test and a look <laughs> test. And like, I don't fucking know. Like, definitely the smell not test. Like, Vaseline. This isn't vapor rub or Vaseline. We don't know what the hell it Mysterious is. Mysterious don't know. ointments. Not Bengay. But... <laughs> Mystery. I don't know. Yeah, but you'd think. You would think there would be more you'd than think a taste would test. Know. You would hope so. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, maybe they like stun gunned him to put him in the car so no one noticed. That's what I think the most likely thing of why those marks are there. Or if they knew him and then it was just like, hey, and they like chit chat and they're like, oh, let's just like get out of the sun for a minute or whatever. And then they like st- stun gun him and put him in the car. Or they were in the car and they stun gunned him. Or they're like, hey, come into the car. We'll chit chat for a minute. And he's like, cool, yeah. Well, and then probably the being electrocuted didn't help his heart well no well also where but where are his keys and wallet and shirt could be in the coal pile well i don't know about the shirt well that's i mean maybe they're just keeping him naked maybe and then they're like oh shoot we killed him so we have to like shave him and cut his hair and put his clothes back on but forget about the shirt because we're in like such a hurry it's so weird that is weird. And they like misfasten his stuff. Like I'm thinking they like misbuttoned his jacket or something, but then like maybe they lost his shirt within those five days and like it's fine, no one will notice. Like it's just weird. Well, it seems like yeah, something happened and they had to dispose of his body in a hurry. Maybe they got something on his shirt so they couldn't put his shirt back on him. Plus, something it had to have been someone that worked at that plant because they have to know when the guy checks in in the morning and when he usually leaves. Well, that's what I want to know also. Is that like part of his usual Wednesday? Uh-huh. Is that what he does every Wednesday? Was he supposed to be there all day? Like, yeah, there are a lot of questions unanswered. So it leaves room for UFO speculation. But had the police done better work or had if we knew what the police had actually done... Maybe we'd know better. Well, yeah. I mean, it just seems like I got to go down there and talk to these police officers and see what's Let's go to Todd Morgan. Yeah, yeah, go to murder, kill, murder, death, and uh, see a what's what in the uh, murder section UFOs. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Murder section UFOs. I don't know. Let's do some crime and get sake. Okay. Thank God. And now for the portion that we like to call Crime and Sakes, where we tell you silly stories about crime that make you forget the terrible things we just told you. Okay, this one is from Reader's Digest. Ooh. In the United States. Okay, because some of them, they, they like 
did a bunch of stories and like they said like where they were from first. Um, yeah. I don't know why I copied and pasted that, but anyway. So it happened in the United States. Well, we States. need to know where it is. <laughs> Obviously, the idea to rob a bank crossed this Illinois resident's mind, but he failed to logically think it through. The 40-year-old man walked into the bank, handed the cashier a threatening note that read, be quick, be quick. Be quick, be quit. He misspelled quiet. Uh-huh. Give your <laughs> give your cash or I'll shoot. The bank teller obliged and handed him $400, but the thief had overlooked the fact that his message was scribbled on a piece of his payslip. <gasps> <laughs> Detectives found the other half of the payslip outside the bank, complete oh with my God. <laughs> complete with the bank robber's name and home address. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. And then this one. Also, yeah. learn to spell or you're going to oh, have some real issues yeah, going on. It's pretty on. embarrassing. I know it's challenging. I can't spell worse shit. <laughs> Good, thank God for spell check. <laughs> Except for when you're trying to spell something and it doesn't recognize at all what you're trying to say. <gasps> I know. And you're only like one letter mm. off and you're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're more than one letter off, but sometimes you're like way off on other words and they know what you're trying to say. Yep. And then you like spell something like 10 different ways. I think they and just, just like, like to test my no, patience. I don't know. I don't know. And you're like, what the fuck do you spell this goddamn word? <laughs> yeah. Unknown word. This one is from the same source and this one takes place in Brazil. One local thief had high standards, but poor follow through. When mm-hmm. Wellington Silva Oliveira robbed a cook, taking his wallet and watch. He was upset to find the watch wasn't quite what he wanted, so he <gasps> kept the money but returned the watch, claiming it was a fake. While his victim hurried to report the mugging to police, Oliveira stopped to play soccer at a nearby field where he was still playing when the police arrived and arrested him. What an idiot! <laughs> Well, at least he returned the watch. It's like, oh, this isn't what I thought. Here, you can it's have like, your oh, crappy shit. watch. This is a fake. Keeping the money, though. <sighs> He's like, I'm going to be at the park playing uh, football if you want to join me later. <laughs> football. <laughs> this one happened in Australia. One thief got more than he bargained for when he reached into the window of a parked car and snatched a tote. The bag belonged to professional snake catcher Brad McDonald. <gasps> Inside was a highly venomous snake. McDonald had just captured from an underground car park in Sydney. <laughs> he just keeps it in a tote in the back? Well, you gotta, like, put it in a bag when you're, like, you know, transporting it. Why would you grab someone's tote? Because like, you, a tote bag yeah. or, like, a tote box? Oh, it might have been a bag or a box. I don't know. Probably a box. Because, you know, some you people think, call those, like, yeah. tubs, totes. So you might think, like, oh... There's a bunch I of... thought a bag at first, but then I was like, that's kind of weird, though. You put a snake in a bag. Well, I've seen them put them in, like, a, you know, like a sack when you catch them. Well, some can't climb up the edges of, like, things, so you put them in, like, a box. They can't, like, get very high well, up, Well, it was right? a box or a bag. They're calling it a tote <laughs> in the article. <laughs> uh, don't take things from other people's cars. Yeah, it might be a venomous snake. That. that is terrifying. <laughs> you open it up, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Shit. What a job. That guy is brave. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we good? Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, for, Thanks listening. for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk to you next week. Send us anything at <laughs> crimeonypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Humblebee Herbal. 
And we will tell you things next week. We'll, <laughs> we'll try. We'll try to. and tell you things. So if we can still speak. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. No one wants to come to my stabbing parties. We'll slather you in Vaseline so you can just slip right out. Stick a thermometer up his butt. Do they just lick it and stick it? Okay, I don't condone probing animals.